This is Sunrise, the who, what, when, where, why, and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Rick Flagg reporting from Tallahassee, where a federal judge has scheduled a hearing to discuss the legality of the state's new law punishing social media companies that deplatform politicians for lying and spreading disinformation. This law goes into effect on uh, July 1, and as a result of that, the, 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 the content moderation and trust and safety programs that all the major digital services that you and I use and, and numerous services that, that we probably don't even think about are all in jeopardy. The lawsuit challenging Florida's new social media law was filed by the Computer and Communications Industry Association and NetChoice, two groups that represent online companies. The governor signs a new law designed to limit the amount of money insurance companies have to pay for roof repairs and legal fees. Many of you know over the last decades there's been a lot of ups and downs in, um, in, in this property insurance market here in the state of Florida. Ron DeSantis is right when he talks about the ups and downs of the insurance market, as in your coverage is going down, your premiums are going up. The new law will not change that, and the insurance companies like it. The COVID relief bill known as the American Rescue Act includes $4 billion in debt relief to help minority farmers. Agriculture Commissioner Nikki Fried says that could help as many as 17,000 farmers. However, white farmers are trying to stop it. The white farmers have sued, um, basically saying that this is against the Constitution to allow um, this money to go to a, you know, a certain race and a certain class. Fried says the best thing about that lawsuit is that it will create a national forum to air the grievances of black farmers about discrimination, past and present. One bit of personal news for Commissioner Freed, her fiancé is no longer married. She's been engaged to Jake Bergman since December of 2019, but his divorce has just been finalized in Georgia. We'll also have your daily calendar of political events and the story of a Florida man who signed over the deed for the water tower in Brooksville after the city council sold it to him by accident. And now the top stories on Sunrise for Monday, June 14th. This is Flag Day in America, one of my family's favorite holidays. It's also Army Day, honoring the establishment of the Continental Army in 1775. This is also National Bourbon Day and World Blood Donor Day. On this date in 1847, Robert Bunsen invented the Bunsen burner. In 1922, Warren G. Harding became the first American president to use radio as he dedicated the Francis Scott Key Memorial in Baltimore. In 1940, the Auschwitz concentration camp opened in Nazi-controlled Poland. Three million people would die behind its walls. In 1966, in what used to be known as the Florida State League, Miami beat St. Petersburg 4-3 in 29 innings. It was the longest uninterrupted game in organized baseball. And two years ago today, Swiss women went on a nationwide strike over the country's slow pace toward equality. Over the past week, the state health department says there were 11,454 new cases of COVID in Florida and 280 newly reported fatalities, increasing our statewide death toll to more than 38,000. But Florida's switch from issuing daily reports to weekly reports is already raising a few eyebrows. For example, while the state says 280 fatalities were reported, the CDC says Florida reported 347 fatalities to them. The state has also stopped reporting the number of non-residents who are diagnosed with COVID or die here, as if those 744 fatalities and 43,000 cases had never happened. A federal judge hears arguments two weeks from now about whether to block a new law championed by the governor to crack down on social media companies that deplatform politicians for lying. U.S. District Judge Robert Hinkle is holding the hearing just days before the law is scheduled to take effect, which would be July 1st. 
Matt Schruers, who runs the Computer and Communications Industry Association, says the new law violates their First Amendment rights, and they're asking Judge Hinkle to issue a preliminary injunction to keep it from taking effect while the legal challenge is underway. This law goes into effect on uh, July 1, and as a result of that, the, 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 the content moderation and trust and safety programs that all the major digital services that you and I use and, and numerous services that, that we probably don't even think about are all in jeopardy. Those are programs that protect Internet users every day. And so it's essential that we get a court ruling about whether or not companies can continue to maintain those programs before this deadline rolls around or otherwise the, the efforts that the, the, the technology companies, that, that web hosts, the social media services, a whole variety of companies, um, the programs that they use to protect us from, uh, you know, foreign disinformation and communist propaganda and predators and crime and, and, and whatnot, all of that might have to, to come to a, a halt on July 1. So we're asking the court to give us a, pre, uh, a preliminary ruling before that date. Under Florida's new law, social media companies that deplatform politicians could face fines of $250,000 a day for statewide candidates, $25,000 a day for other candidates. Governor DeSantis made the issue a priority after Donald Trump was blocked from Facebook and Twitter after his supporters stormed the Capitol on Insurrection Day. Judge Hinkle has also scheduled the actual trial for next February. Governor DeSantis signs a bill that's supposed to rein in the rising price of homeowners insurance. The bad news is your premiums are still going up. The new law, Senate Bill 76, reduces payouts or roof repairs and imposes new limits on legal fees when homeowners sue their insurance companies. You know, Florida obviously is a, is a unique environment uh, for a lot of things, but particularly as a storm-prone state, we are um, you know, uniquely uh, susceptible to, to having to respond to natural disasters. And uh, that obviously has an impact when you talk about people's homes and insuring the homes against uh, potential damage from that. And so many of you know, over the last decades, there's been a lot of ups and downs in, um, in, in this property insurance market here in the state of Florida. Uh, we saw problems uh, about what was happening. I mean, you know, you've seen major premium increases and you even see some homeowners, they just, their policies get canceled, they get dumped on to, dumped on the citizens. And so uh, we wanted to, uh, to do something to, to stabilize that, uh, to try to invite uh, more people uh, from the private sector to participate in the market uh, and, and ultimately give consumers uh, more opportunities uh, to, to have policies that, that are affordable and that, all, uh, that, that, that will protect them from uh, whatever Mother Nature throws our way. Senator Boyd was very careful during the session when he described his bill and never promised it would mean lower rates. All he would say is that it would reduce costs for the insurance industry. And when lawmakers offered amendments saying any savings from the new law should go to ratepayers instead of shareholders, well, those amendments were rejected by GOP leaders who were calling the shots. Florida's Agriculture Commissioner is defending $4 billion worth of debt relief in the American Rescue Act that is set aside for black, Latino, and other minority farmers. Nikki Freed says America has a long history of discrimination against non-white farmers, and the results have been devastating. I am proud of our agriculture here in the state of Florida. It's $147 billion of economic impact in our state. That's 2 million jobs, 300 commodities. Some of the best producers are in the, wor in the world come right here from the state of Florida and are proud to be part of the Fresh from Florida brand. Agriculture is not always an opportunity for all, though. Very long documented history of racial discrimination and disparity in farm ownership and operations. A hundred years ago, 
13,000 black farmers operated in the state. Today, just 2,000. 85% decrease in black participation in industry of food, science, and national security. It has been nearly impossible for farmers of color to acquire land, access funding, get farms off the ground, and is made harder a lot of times by our federal agencies like the USDA. And recently under the previous administration, 99% of coronavirus food assistance program payments went to white farmers. The American Rescue Plan is about fairness and leveling the playing field, helping socially disadvantaged farmers struggling with loans, strengthening our, our, county, our country's food supply, national security and economics hurts no one. And morally, it was the right thing to do. Providing more than $4 billion in debt relief to socially disadvantaged farmers, ranchers, and growers. 17,000 farmers of color qualify for this assistance, but a group of white farmers is challenging that $4 billion debt relief program. They say it's illegal because, well, they can't get it. State Representative Kevin Chambliss of Homestead describes himself as a country boy who grew up farming in Mississippi, and he's not bothered by the lawsuit. We've always had to go to the court systems to make our case for fairness. Black farmers um, have um, been at a disadvantage within the Department of USDA. So I almost feel like this is actually an opportunity to highlight that more specifically and actually to use um, when um, it comes out of this lawsuits as precedents as we begin to create more um, public policy concerning the issue so that we create more opportunities um, moving forward um, on the path to justice, you have to hit the bumpy roads. But it's the bumpy roads that let you know that you're on the path to justice. These movements of progress uh, by the Biden administration are so important because what you're seeing is the present is revealing the mindset of the past. For a very long time, they never spoke out. But now they are coming and they are engaging in the conversation as we're on the path to justice. This is a very, very important step because we're going to get through this. We're going to get through this. We're going to see justice done and we're going to see a more integrated, a more um, equal system um, of fairness, whether it's within USDA or other departments of government. I'm very encouraged that we're having this conversation because this is one of the necessary steps as we begin to create a more fair and more just America. Um, so I'm excited, you know, bring all the lawsuits they want. Like, you know, we, we, we know a lot about those kind of lawsuits and we're very, very willing to have that conversation. Um, but I'm definitely excited about the future of black farmers, not only in Florida, but in, um, in the United States. Commissioner Freed says she too welcomes the lawsuit because it gives them a chance to demonstrate how the system has been rigged against minority farmers. The white farmers have sued, um, basically saying that this is against the Constitution to allow um, this money to go to, a, you know, a certain race and a certain class. Um, and so but I love and so the federal judge this week actually put a stay on it to kind of continue hearing it. But I love the idea, the fact that this lawsuit is going to showcase uh, the historic racism that has been involved um, in this issue specifically. I love that thought, uh, that this is an opportunity to really highlight and showcase and really tell the rest of the country what's happened. Because if you're not involved in agriculture or, you know, a minority, you may not understand what was, has historically happened in our country. Discrimination against black farmers is not a relic of the past. It's still very much alive. Consider our state's medical marijuana law. 
Representative Chambliss says the requirements to get into the business were written in such a way that black farmers could not qualify, so they were cut out of the fastest growing segment in the state's agricultural sector. You know, um, I, I, I am really disheartened about the situation with the medical marijuana licenses. I mean, that just blows my mind when I'm in an agriculture community where I'm seeing families that have had certain agricultural products for generations upon generations jumping to switch um, uh, to, to a produce that's very, brand new to them, right? And we're not seeing those same opportunities. We're not seeing um, that same um, involvement from people in our community. Which in the, So in that same agriculture community where you have agriculture as the largest economic driver, it's still a majority black community that's the most impoverished, but not involved in the largest economic driver of their community. I think there's a better way. Uh, and so, yeah, I'm excited about the results of it. Let's have that conversation and then let's create some good public policy based on the results. Commissioner Freed says the state has issued 22 licenses to grow medical marijuana. Not a single one has gone to a black farmer or firm. One personal note to pass along, Commissioner Freed has been engaged to medical marijuana entrepreneur Jake Bergman since December of 2019. But you know, he was still married at the time and his divorce had been scheduled to go to trial this week in Georgia. However, the hearings have been canceled, the case has been settled out of court, and the divorce is official. Your calendar of events, the trustees of Eastern Florida State College meet at 9 in Melbourne. The Revenue Estimating Conference meets at 10. The Tampa Bay Regional Planning Council meets at 10 in Pinellas Park. State Representative Michelle Rayner of St. Pete holds a news conference at 11 in Largo. Attorney General Ashley Moody appears in Taylor County at 11.15 to honor law enforcement officers. Senator Randolph Bracey holds a news conference at noon in Orlando about money for the new state budget and African-American historical projects. And the group called Faith in Florida holds an online Juneteenth Legislative Town Hall meeting. That's at 7 o'clock tonight. Finally today, a Florida man who wanted to buy a city-owned building next to the water tower in Brooksville ended up with a tower, too, much to the chagrin of local officials. Bobby Reed paid $55,000 for a small building with a garage at the base of the tower so he could turn it into a gym. But after closing on the sale, Reed went to the Hernando County Property Appraiser's Office to get an address for his new business location and was informed that the legal description of his parcel covered the entire site, including the water tower. Well, Reed was a good guy about it. He signed a warranty deed returning ownership of the tower to the town. But that snafu has given opponents of City Hall one more reason to complain. Brooksville's mayor, Pat Brayton, says he hopes all is well now that the tower is back in city hands. He told the Tampa Bay Times they need to be darn sure that it doesn't happen again. That's it for this installment of Sunrise. I'm Rick Flagg in Tallahassee, inviting you to join us again tomorrow as we plumb the depths of Florida politics. 